Psalms chapter number 91, Psalms chapter number 91, and we're going to read uh, four verses for our text this morning, and then we will turn throughout the message to four other uh, places of Scripture, and so uh, you'll want to keep your Bibles handy, uh, but we'll read beginning in Psalms chapter number 91, and look forward to what the Lord has for us this morning, and then again this evening, I encourage you to be here tonight. Psalms 91, I'll begin reading with verse 1, and I'll read down through verse number 4. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Now, if you're familiar with Psalms number 91, this is a great chapter of encouragement, a great chapter of comfort. Uh, It speaks of that secret place in verse number one. Aren't you glad there's a secret place? Uh, There's a God that you can run to not just the God of our salvation, but He's the God of our comfort. He's the God of our protection. He's the God of our deliverance. Notice in verse number 1, in that secret place, we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What a great place to abide. Verse number 2, we're reminded, the psalmist says, He's my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him will I trust. When you trust in God, you're never disappointed. Uh, Surely he shall deliver thee, verse 4, he shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. This morning I want to use this text, and as I mentioned, we'll uh, turn to some other places in just a moment, but I want to speak on this subject, the care and comfort of God's hand. The care and the comfort of God's hand. Father, I pray this morning uh, that the message will be Uh, used by the Spirit of God. May He be our teacher, our instructor this this morning. May hearts be tender to You. Uh, Father, I I don't know the heart of every man. I don't know if uh, everyone in here has put their faith and trust in the finished work on Calvary. But Father, I pray there's one unsaved. Uh, May they uh, fall under the conviction this morning. May they realize their need of salvation. May they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I don't know what all your people are facing today, but I pray that uh, this message will be a good reminder to us. May we get the instruction we need. I believe this can be a uh, life-changing message this morning. And Father, I pray that your will will be done, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. God is our shelter. He's somebody that we can run to when we have a need. What a wonderful truth. What a wonderful thought. God is our defense. We have an adversary that wants to destroy us. God is our defense. You read these verses and there's something comforting about the thought of a secret place of the Most High. There's something comforting about the abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. There's something comforting when we read the words, my God, not just a God, my God. Verse 4, under His wings, that care, that protection... What a comforting thought to think that we have a God who cares about us. A verse of scripture I preached on not too long ago, I, I, I think of very, very often, is 
that the scripture where we're reminded of what God thinks about. The God of the heavens thinks about you. The God of the heavens thinks about me. But as we look at this passage of scripture, and we often refer to his care as the hand of God. We often refer to his direction as the hand of God. Uh, it's in God's hands. Have you ever said that? Uh, I'm in God's hands. We, if you haven't said that, that certainly is true. We may say, and it is my prayer, that God's hand would be on this church. And certainly, it has been evident to be so. The hand of God. I think when I think of the hands of God and that mighty hand of God and the protection of God, I think of the fact that no man can pluck me out of the hand of the Father. I'm saved, I'm secure for all of eternity. An illustration that might bear this out is uh, my family and I, we were on a vacation probably 19 years ago. Uh, we were staying in a cabin in the mountains of Tennessee. And on one particular evening, a, a storm rolled in and uh, the winds were blowing, uh, very strong winds. You could feel the cabin shake. Uh, you could see the, the lightning flashing. You could hear the rain. And on top of this mountain, it could be a little bit unsettling uh, because you could feel uh, all the effect of the storm. My, my kids, of course, being that long ago, were much younger than they are now. And uh, they were staying in the loft uh, bedroom, and they were uh, up there, all staying up there, and uh, we've sent them up there, and we, we never checked on them for about three, four days, but uh, that's where they were staying, and uh, being that young, of course, my, my youngest, Addison, was a little more nervous than the others, at least that's the story we're told, uh, with the storm, and uh, Alyssa, my oldest, was trying to comfort Addison. And uh, I'm not sure why that didn't go well, but uh, uh, she was trying to comfort Addison. And she said to Addison, you don't need to be scared. God has his hand on our cabin right now. And trying to, one child trying to comfort another child, God's got his hand on our cabin right now. And you sense the illustration. Now, Addison's response was, God sure does have a big hand. But it's true. It's true. We talk of the hand of God. And the fact that God has a big hand. With this in mind, the fact that we have a God who is our comfort. We have a God who is our care. We have a God who is our direction. Uh, we're in the hands of God. I want to be in the hands of God. Uh, we want the hand of God to uh, be on us, the hand of protection. I want to talk about the hand of God this morning. And I find, as an interesting Bible study, I, 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 I find uh, different things that the Bible says about the hand of God. Turn back with me a, a few chapters to Psalms chapter number 46. Psalms chapter number 46, and I'm going to read verse number 10. In the book of Isaiah, uh, there's reference, I believe it's chapter number 46, of all that God does, all that had been done by the hand of God. And I parallel that with Psalms 46 and verse number 10, where the Bible says, Be still and know that I am God. 
I want to first mention this morning the unseen hand of God. God says, the psalmist says in, in Psalms chapter number 46, Be still and know that I am God. This is a verse that I often remind myself and in many counseling sessions reminds you that there's just times when God says, just be still. Just wait on me. But what you and I have got to be reminded is that time when we're sitting and doing nothing does not mean that God is doing nothing. And all of us this morning could give testimony of the unseen hand of God who is moving and is working in the background. We are not aware of it, but he has a purpose that he's bringing about. He has uh, some things that he's bringing about. And often we talk about uh, coincidences. And wasn't it fortunate that I was here at this time? No, friend, it's the unseen hand of God. Often God says, be still and let me work. Sit down and let me work. Be still and know that I am God. How are we going to know that he's God? Being still is an acknowledgement that, God, I'm going to let you take care of it. But in that time, God is moving pieces in place because he has a greater work that he wants to be done. Often we complain to God. I know I've been guilty of this, and if I've been guilty of it, I'm certain that you've been guilty of it as well. We, we sit and we wait and say, okay, God, I'm going to be still. I don't understand. We're wasting time. We're, wait, we're, wait, we're wasting these opportunities. But God doesn't need us to be busy all the time. God doesn't need us to do what he can take care of. And when we wait on God, God moves the pieces. Friend, this morning, uh, don't underestimate the unseen hand of God. I believe at this very moment God is working. There are things that he is doing that we as a church cannot see. There are things that he is doing that you as a Christian cannot see. There are things that he is doing that you as a parent looking into your home with your children, you cannot see. We have to trust the unseen hand of God. Have we lived? I know I've lived long enough to look back at some of those times when God said, just be still. And I've seen what God has done. And I'm mighty thankful that I didn't get in the way. All of us could look back and say, well, I'm so glad that God worked this and worked this and worked this and worked this. The unseen hand of God. This morning, if you're in a place in your life where it seems that you're just being still, God is working behind the scenes. Don't underestimate what God is doing. Secondly, I want us to look at 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. And I want to mention the mighty hand of God. We talk of the unseen hand, but I want to mention the mighty hand of God. 1 Peter chapter number 5, in verse number 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. We've seen, we find that there's an unseen hand of God, but there's also a mighty hand of God. And the scripture says that we are to humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. I'm thankful this morning that even when I can't see what God is doing, He's always working. Hey, don't get frustrated because you don't see how it's going to come, come about. God is working. 
Parent, don't get frustrated because you can't see how it's going to work out for your child. God is always working. Let him work. But I also find the mighty hand of God. What is the purpose or what is the role that the mighty hand of God takes in our life? Simply put, it is to humble us. All of us have a problem. All of us have the same problem. We're all full of pride. Oh, no, not me, pastor. Well, we'll talk about that later. We're all full of pride. We all get too full of ourselves. We all get to a place where we don't think we need God. We can all get to a place where we say, no, God, I don't want to be still. I don't want to let you do the work. I can do it myself. I can take care of things myself. We get full of ourselves, and this kind of ties into what we're talking about in Sunday school this morning, remembering all the things that God has done for you. Remember where you came from. Sometimes we get to a point where we've been saved for so long and we're so far removed from what we were, we begin to get ourselves puffed up because we're not like somebody else and we're not like this wicked world and we've been saved and we're on our way to heaven. But friend, all of us have a tendency to be full of pride. Even when we think we don't have it, we have it. I'm afraid as Christians, we're not afraid of that word as we should be. There's a reason why the Bible speaks of pride as many times as the Bible speaks of pride. But we see in our scripture, we talk of the care and the comfort and how God cares for us and God delivers us. Sometimes, friend, let's be honest. Sometimes God in his care has to deliver us from us. We are to be humbled By the mighty hand of God. God has a mighty hand. God does whatever he wants to do. The greatest work that he's going to do in your life and my life many times after salvation, it is the humbling of us so that he can use us. Let me illustrate this. Grab that chair for me right there. Nathan, can I borrow you? I want you to sit right here. Doing okay? All right. Have you ever wondered, has there ever been a time in your life when you wondered why you can't get ahead? Has there ever been a problem you couldn't solve? Has there ever been a situation in your life that you've been frustrated by and you say, I can't tell you how many times I've had this expression to me, Pastor, we're doing everything we know to do. Our church attendance is what it should be. Our tithing is what it should be. There's no, to our knowledge, there's no one confess sin that should be there, uh, that, that is there. We're doing everything. Pastor, I remember when I gave my life, and now it's frustrating. I, I surrendered my life to God. I want God, God to do whatever, what with me. But ever since then, and, and a lot of times this is a young adult, nothing has worked out for me. And the job's not doing this. And, and over here, this, this part of my life is not, and nothing is going well. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're there today. 
it's frustrating to try and get ahead and not be able to get ahead. It's frustrating to try and pick up and move forward in your Christian life and not be able to move forward. I know one of the most frustrating things in the life of a Christian is the fact that there is something that you're trying to figure out and you not have the answer. God, what am I doing wrong? Sometimes we know that God wants to do the work. It's his unseen hand. It's kind of like God's mighty hand keeps us in a situation we don't want to be in. Nathan, stand up. And he puts us right back down. Get up. Get up. We chuckle and we laugh, but how many times has that been us? He can try all day long, but he's not getting up if I don't want him to get up. How many times have we resisted the mighty hand of God? Your church attendance can be fine. Your giving can be fine. You can go down the list. But there's sometimes God doesn't let you get up because he's trying to humble you and remind you that he's in charge. I ought to be up moving on. I should be further ahead in life. Ever said that? I should have this victory already. I should have already been able to deal with this and leave this in my past and and never have to revisit this. Oftentimes, somebody who, who grieves over something that's taking place in their lifetime passes, I should be over this, or, or, or I should be further past this in my Christian life. And we try and get up, and we try and get up, and God just keeps us down. Because he's trying to remind us of his mighty hand. He wants to humble us so he can use us. A church full of pride can't be used by God. A church that gets to a place and says, look what we've done. God is lucky to have us. Can't be used by God. A Christian who gets to the place, I don't know why God won't let me do this. I don't know why God won't. He's lucky to have me. God's going to say, try and get up, but you're not getting up. Because I'm going to keep you where I want you to humble you. You're a pretty tough guy, aren't you? Yeah. Humble too, aren't you? Yeah. 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 I picked the perfect one for this illustration. You're pretty independent, aren't you? Do you need your mom to take care of you? No, I didn't think so. You, 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 I mean, you can handle things on your own. We all get to that place. And every once in a while, God says, you can't even get up if I don't let you. You can't get through another day if I don't let you. If if you're in a situation like this and you don't understand it, maybe you ought to change your thinking a little bit and say, God, what are you trying to teach me? Where's this pride at that you have to humble me? so that you can properly use me. 
There's a lot of Christians that I believe that God puts in a situation like this, and instead of letting God humble them, they rebel against the mighty hand. Don't we all pray, or we should pray at some point, God, would you use me in whatever capacity that you'd like to use me? Allow me to be used to your honor and glory. And God says, okay, I'm going to have to show you the mighty hand so that you can be humbled. We have the unseen hand. God says, be still and know that I am God. Let him work. Sometimes we try and get up, and God says, let me put you right back down. But God, why, 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 why am I in this situation? Why can't I get victory of this? Why haven't you answered this prayer? He wants to humble us so he can use us. Some of the most humble servants of God, some of the, the people who God uses in the greatest way are those who it seems from a, from a personal standpoint, from a man's standpoint, God has taken everything from them. But when you allow yourself to be under the mighty hand of God, you can't help but be humbled. But notice, thank you, Nathan, you can go sit down. Notice what that scripture says. It says, in due, that he may exalt you in due time. You young people, you young couples, you young adults that you want to serve God. Well, I'm 22. I'm ready for my citywide revivals. Uh, you're going to have to meet the mighty hand of God. We don't like to hear this. You know, that, that young couple finds out that they're expecting that first child. Oh, I'm not making all those mistakes that everybody else has made. Welcome to the mighty hand of God. God has to humble us so that he can properly use us. The third, hand, third, third thing I see when it comes to the hand of God and his care and comfort for us, I find in Matthew chapter number 14. Matthew chapter number 14. A familiar story. But as we think of the care and the comfort of God, we are reminded of Matthew chapter number 14. And we'll begin reading in verse number 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Verse 31, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? The third thing we see this morning is the outstretched hand. Peter, we know that story. There's a storm. Jesus comes, approaches him, walking on the water. He says, be not afraid, it is I. And Peter says, God, if it's really you, Jesus, if it's really you, bid me come out. How many times have we, as Christians, faced things in our life and God said, don't be afraid. I've got it under control. I'm with you. 
and we, being as impetuous as Peter was, said, okay, God, if it's really you, then I want to do this. Jesus says, bid him to come out on the water. He gets out on the water. But what a wonderful thought, the fact that we get to serve God. What a wonderful thing as you see all that goes on this morning is so much behind the scenes. Those that drove a bus this morning, those that are teaching a Sunday school class this morning, from working in, the nursery, uh, uh, working in the nursery to being an usher to singing in the choir. And we say, I can't believe that I get to do this for God. What a joy to serve the Lord. What a joy to get out into uncharted waters in your Christian life. What happened in the life of Peter often happens in our life. The wind starts blowing. And we take our eyes off of the Lord and we look at all of our surroundings. And let's just call it what it is. Peter fell. He should have kept his eyes on the Lord. But let's get off of our spiritual high horse this morning in our condemnation of Peter. Because how many times in our own life have we set out to do something for God and we've taken our eyes off of Him and we've put it on our surroundings? We've taken our eyes off of him and we've allowed our burden to steal the attention that God should have. We've taken our eyes off of him and the winds of this world has, has, has attracted us and got our attention and we're, we're looking on everything but him and what begins to happen. We fail in doing that which our God has bid us to do. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. You grow in your Christian life and you step out by faith. It's not always going to be calm waters. It's not always going to be smooth seas. You're going to hear the, the thunder. You're going to see the lightning. You're going to feel the effects of the wind. The waves are going to crash. And if you're not careful... Your eyes will move from the one that says, I'm your rock. I'm your shelter. And we'll place our eyes on that which he would give us defense from. And us like Peter, we begin to sink. This morning, are you, do you feel as close to God as you could feel? Or maybe this morning, you just don't have the faith that you had in the past. Maybe this morning you're more concerned with that which is around you than with the God that is bigger than everything around you. But can I offer you some encouragement this morning? There is an outstretched hand of God. There is a God, and oh, when you see the love and the care and the mercy of the Son of God, yes, we know that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Yes, we know he left heaven to come and, and, and be that sacrificial lamb for all of mankind. But in his love, in his mercy, he didn't scold Peter and say, you should have kept your eyes on me. You didn't have to tell Peter that he was sinking. 
He, should, he didn't tell Peter, hey, I'm bigger than the wind. I'm walking on this water. He reached out his hand and lifted Peter up once again. There was the outstretched hand of God. How many times, Christian, can we testify this morning that in an effort to do something for God, in an effort to please Him, in an effort to serve Him, in an effort to, to rear our children in a way that would honor Him, in an effort to serve in some way in the church, we have failed. We have taken our eyes off of Him, and we've allowed this world to get our attention. We've allowed our own shortcomings to become an excuse, and we begin to sink when we ought to be able to walk on the water because of what God has done and because of our faith in Him. In those moments of discouragement, what a thought to think that there's an outstretched hand for us to take. What a thought to have a God who cares when we're sinking. We have a God who cares when we take our eyes off of Him. This morning before I move to the next truth that I want to point out, where are your eyes today? Peter had a choice once he began to sink. He could drown or he could grab a hold of the hand of God. Christian, you can drown or you could grab a hold of the hand of God. What a God we have. Oh, the care of God. Yes, sometimes he says, just sit there and my unseen hand will do the work. And sometimes he has to humble us with that mighty hand and, and, and put us in a situation where we don't like to be and it's uncomfortable. And yes, when we try and, when we try and serve him, we try and do for him and we fail and say, I, I should be on top of this. I, I should have more control of this. And we, have a, we call it a bad day. We call it a setback. But truth of the matter is, we've taken our eyes off of our God and we begin to sing. God doesn't discard us. God doesn't cast us aside. He says, let me lift you back up again. And he offers his hand in this morning. Don't quit on God. Don't just sink and give in and give up and say, I failed. Hey, you failed, but at least you took a few steps. And God himself will hold for his hand to keep you from sinking the rest of the way. Thank God that we have a God who cares enough for us, not just when we have something to offer him. But when we're going down by our own failures, fourthly, I want you to look at Luke chapter number 24. Luke chapter number 24. As we're thinking of the hand of God, and the fact that we're in His hands, where things are left in the hands of God. There's an unseen hand, and yes, there's a mighty hand, there's an outstretched hand, but I want you to see in Luke chapter 24 and verse 40, we're reminded of the nail-pierced hands. Jesus, of course, has been crucified. He has risen from the dead. He now appears to those disciples. Look at verse 36 of chapter 24. As they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? 
Behold my hands and my feet, that it is, it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. I don't have to point this out to you, but why was it significant for them to see his hands and his feet? Because they were nail pierced. Those are the same hands that Matthew had taken the loaves and the fishes from to go and feed the hungry. Those were the same hands that Jesus had laid on the sick and they were healed. They had seen those hands many times. But now, as he showed the, his hands and his feet, there was something distinctly different about those hands. They were nail-pierced hands. Friend, this morning, I, I'm a, next month I'll turn 46 years of age. I've certainly lived long enough to look back on my life. And at times when I thought that God was doing nothing, and it was wasted time, the unseen hand of God was working. Well, I'm thankful for times where I wish it wasn't so, but I'm thankful for the times that God under his mighty hand has said, I've got to remove some pride from you. I've got to humble you so I can use you the way that I want to use you. And so I've got to get enough out of you so that you can have some more of me. And you see that the mighty hand of God that humbles you and Friend, I'm thankful that when we stumble, it's the hand of God and His graciousness and His mercy that reaches out to you and keeps you from perishing and keeps you from going all the way down. And He'll, he'll keep you from suffering from your own mistakes and your own lack of faith. But friend, can we not all rejoice this morning in the fact there's nail-pierced hands of the Son of God. Oh, the mighty hands of God. The care and the comfort. Friend, how can you doubt that God cares you? The very hands that hold you are the nail-pierced hands of the perfect Lamb of God. The Son of God who was crucified. The Son of God who took upon Him your sins and my sins. And having never sinned at all. And, and, and having no infirmity in Him. And having no blemish in Him. And He took upon Him the sins of mankind so that we might have salvation. And here we see him assembling once again with those disciples. And yes, he had to convince them, but how did he do it? He showed them the nail piercings in his own hands, what he had done for them. Friend, this morning, don't, 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 don't let the devil convince you that God does not care about you. Don't let anybody, don't fool yourself into thinking that, that your problems are bigger than your God. The reminder of those nail Pierce hands reminds me that God loves me, that God cares for me, that God is concerned about me. If he was concerned that he would send his son to die on the cross for me, he's concerned with the problems I have. It also tells me another thing, friend, and don't miss this, that if death could not hold him, if death could not contain him, if that tomb is empty today as it certainly is. Why am I sweating my problem? He's bigger than what you're facing. 
He's bigger than what I'm facing. This ought to give us comfort this morning in knowing that we have a God who had paid the price for our salvation, but we have a God who is greater than death. We have a God who has conquered hell. And yes, I'm thankful for the unseen hand. I'm thankful for the mighty hand. I'm thankful for the outstretched hand. But friend, this morning, I can't get over the nail-pierced hand and to think that the day is going to come when I'll see those very hands when, I, when we are in heaven with him. What a thought to think that there's a God who bears the marks of my sin of my infirmity. And can you imagine what it must have been like? They saw him on the cross. They know the tomb that he was buried in. Why were they so affrighted? Why were they so afraid? Because all of a sudden Jesus was there and a door didn't open for him to get there. And they thought he was a ghost, a spirit... Because he suddenly appeared in their midst. And how did he convince them? With the nail-pierced hands. Sometimes it's good for you and I to be reminded we face our obstacle. We face our difficulties. Maybe we ask ourselves the question, is God really big enough? Would you allow his nail-pierced hands to convince you. Friend, this morning in closing, there's one other hand I'll mention, and I'll not wait on you to turn there, but it is found in Mark chapter number 9, in verse 27. There's a man possessed of a devil. And after Jesus cast the devil out... Mark 9, 27, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. We see the uplifting hand. But this morning, if you're lost in your sins, you've never been saved. You cannot lift yourself up out of eternal damnation. You cannot lift yourself up. But I want you to think about this. The very hand of the Son of God reaches down to lift you up out of your own sins. I thank God that when I was a child, there was a God in heaven who would offer a hand to bring me up out of the pit of hell Friend, I don't understand why anybody would push that hand away. Because it's the only hand that can lift a sinner out of eternal damnation. Muhammad's hand can't lift you up. The Pope's hand can't lift you up. You can name any religious leader that you want to name. There's never been a man born that can lift you up from that eternal damnation, the punishment, the suffering of your own sins. Friend, there's one hand that can lift you up. There's one hand. What a God who would love us enough and care enough about us 
that he would stoop to offer his hand to sinful men, to offer his hand to mankind, and say, if you'll just take it, I'll lift you up out of your sins. If you'll take it, I'll set you on a new course, a new path. And friend, let me also make the application, if you're saved, if you're a child of God, and you have stumbled and you have fallen, don't stay there. The, 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 the God who saved you, the God who loves you, will offer you a hand to lift you up out of your failures, lift you up out of your shortcomings, lift you up out of your mistakes. Take the hand of God. The choice is yours. Myself, personally, as a child, I was faced with a decision. Do you take the hand or do you reject it? I've never regretted taking it. There have been times in my life when I have stumbled and I've fallen. You know what I found every time? There's a hand ready to pick me up. Oh, one of the most frustrating things. If it frustrates this pastor, I know it has to frustrate God. Yes, we fall, we stumble, we fail. But to know that there's a God who will pick us up and lift us up and forgive us and set us back on a course and to just, just give up and to just stay there and just to, 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 to wallow in our failure and, our, and how we have fallen. No, friend, get up today. There's a hand. Well, I don't know how I can do it. You can't do it. But there's a hand that will pick you up and steady you and set you on the way. What a, what, a, what a thought to think that we have a God who cares for us. And yes, there is that secret place. And yes, there is that place where we can go hide and find that refuge. It's the care of God. It's the hands of God. They're bigger than you and I can even imagine. That hand of God is always working. And you may be here this morning. You may say, I've never heard anything like this. Don't think it's a coincidence that you came in the building today. It was the seen hand of God that brought you here today. No, you may be frustrated in your Christian life and say, I have a desire to serve God and I think God will be doing something else, but that mighty hand of God is trying to humble you. Don't keep resisting him. Give into it so he can use you how he wants to use you. And then we find that outstretched hand and our failures and our, our lack of faith. God himself will, will pick us up again. And those nail-pierced hands. What a God we have. What a God we serve. This morning, if you're unsaved, would you take the hand of God? This Baptist preacher can't save you. No man can save you. But only Christ can save you. Christian, have you stumbled? Have you fallen? Are you discouraged? Are you defeated? There's a hand uplifting hand it'll pull you up to where you never thought you'd be again would you take his hand this morning don't live in defeat don't live in failure because you have a God who wants to bring you up again Father I pray